Well, good morning, uh, and thank you for praying that prayer, Scott. And I found out this morning, uh, uh, Lee and Jacob have already been in school. They started last week, so that's still, we're still praying for you guys, too. So that included y'all, even though you're a weekend. Um, so something very interesting about us Americans, uh, we are rugged individualists. We love to be individuals. But we're also completely dependent. Now, I know that, that uh, those are opposite statements, but both are actually true. Um, we are born completely, totally dependent. In fact, for a newborn to survive, that infant must uh, instantly engage their parents' protective behaviors in order for that infant to survive. And the parents then have to respond to that infant and they have to care enough about their offspring to nurture and to protect their child. Now think about it. Human babies, they are the most dependent for the longest amount of time of all the animals in creation, really. Um, they are very slowly transitioning from dependent to independent. Um, it's a very slow process. We all know this. Um, but in America, maybe once we hit that independence, you know, we might take it a little bit too far. We look around and everybody is so independent, or at least we think that we are. That's the way it feels. Everyone is making their way in life. It reminds me, I grew up in uh, the 80s. I, I remember the Cheers song. I wish I could sing it for you. I would, but hopefully it's in your ears right now as I mention that. We're making our way in this life, and make no mistake about it, as we do that, it is our own life. It is your life. We are independent. Is there any wonder that in America that we have a tendency to forget that God actually created us as a social species? We don't talk about that a lot, but he really did. But we're so busy uh, going around life doing our own thing. Um, but as we described during this series, we said this, that we are hardwired by God um, with this invisible force that has a tendency to drive us uh, to connect with other people. So something inside of us, he designed us with this deep, deep need to enter into relationships with other people. He placed that there. Now, even if we say, well, you know, not me, I really don't need people because I am independent. Um, the truth is that studies are showing us when we don't have those relationships with other people, that bad things are kind of happening in our lives and to us, not only physiological, logically, but also psychologically. We become lonely when we are not connected to other people. And also, perhaps maybe you're saying, well, Harley, I'm just not sure about this whole God-designed-us thing. Well, I'll be honest with you. I, even if you're not quite certain for you about the whole God-has-designed-you idea, deep down inside, we all kind of at least give a nod toward God and His design. When we begin to categorize people, here's, here's uh, an example, because when we categorize people, somehow we're kind of acknowledging that there is a design in place. 
when we say things like this, we say, well, here are the traits of a good person. This is what a good person is like. A good person, we might say they care about people, they care about others, they care about themselves, and, and they express that care. And what we're saying is, uh, here, here it is, this is how it's meant to be, that God has designed us or, or somehow something inside of us is telling us that this is the characteristic of a good person and they should exhibit those things, care for themselves, care for other people. Deep down inside, something in us says that should be occurring naturally. They should just do that. Almost like it's been pre-programmed in our DNA. Something outside of us has designed us to kind of be like that. And I would say, I would add, I think that is us being created by God who was the designer of us. Because the alternative to that would be to say, well, we have just evolved into caring for other people. And that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me personally, because caring for other people, putting other people in front of myself, putting others first is not really survival of the fittest if I'm putting someone else ahead of myself. So there's also something inside of us that is just kind of telling us um, to look out for be aware of that there's somebody out there besides me. And something on the outside is kind of uh, placed something inside of us, inside of me, inside of you that says we should care for other people, not only for ourselves, but we should care about others. And when we say, well, the traits of a bad person or an evil person, we might say it's someone who cares about themselves, even if it's at the expense of other people. A person who's always asking, okay, how can they benefit me? How can I get what I need, what I want from that person? How can they help me get what I need and I want, even if it is at their expense? Well, we're saying that there's something that has gone wrong inside of that person if that's the way they are, if that's the way they interact with people. Something is not right inside of that person. Something that should be present in their life is not present if that's the way they operate. We actually have a clinical term for this. The term would be uh, something has gone wrong. The term would be that person is a sociopath, right? We have a term for that. But here's the point. We don't realize it, but we're actually admitting that there's something designed. I mean, if, if, if something is not there that should be, that causes them to care for other people, we're admitting that something on the outside has placed something inside of us, a right way, a preferred way, a better way to do life, to do relationships. And it is that something which is in us that is bigger than us, that has designed us, we have said in this series, for relationships. We've been designed for relationships, designed for deep connections. And yet, this is so amazing to me, 
that today with all the smartphones, if you've got a smartphone, just nod your head. You got a smartphone? I do. I've got a smartphone. Uh, As soon as I could get one, I got one. With all of our smartphones and with our FaceTiming and our social media, um, all of that allows us to get in touch with people instantly, pretty much from anywhere in the world. You would think that we would feel more connected with others. But research is showing we don't. We don't feel more connected with others. The evidence is revealing that. See, we are social creatures. God has designed us that way. And if we're on our own for too long, then we get lonely. And as we're lonely, things are not working right inside of our lives. But there's something uh, about all of our connecting technology that we have access to that is not meeting our needs when it comes to connecting to other people the way we have been created to connect with other people. It appears that if we are not physically face-to-face with anyone for a long period of time, that we actually get sick. If I were to conduct a quick non-scientific survey this morning with everyone that is here, and Cole is doing the same thing uh, with everyone in Stuttgart, but if we were to do that kind of survey and ask, what do you want for your children? I think among those things, we would all agree that we want for our children, we, we want them to be happy and we don't want them to suffer. We want them to have a happy life, and we don't want them to suffer. And of course, really, we want that for all humans. We want that for our family, for our friends, everyone we're around. We want that for them. Otherwise, if we didn't, there's that name for those people. We would call them a sociopath. But when we are disconnected with people, we find that we don't get one of those things that we want for everyone. We don't. uh, We do find ourselves in a position where we begin to suffer. When we're lonely, we begin suffering. And since the fall, that's Adam and Eve in the garden, since that time, we have found that we get lonely, that we suffer from it, and we have a tendency to hide from each other, to hide from God, and even to to some extent hide from ourselves. And we find ourselves afraid to ask for that very connection that we need. We're just afraid to go after it. Maybe we're afraid that it's a sign of weakness, that it's a sign that we're not as independent as we want to portray. Maybe it is we don't ask for it because uh, perhaps we just are afraid that if we do ask that they may not respond and they might reject us. Think with me for just a moment. How many people that we really have no idea how many people in your life right now might be suffering silently from loneliness? This is the basic problem of loneliness. Last week, we said that research is revealing some very important things to us. We said research is telling us that as humans, we're actually, in this day and age, this current reality, we're actually losing the ability to relate to each other face to face. 
our development as healthy people has not just slowed down. Research is telling us in many cases that relational development, face-to-face relational development with other people has actually begun to stop. We are experiencing an arrested development relationally. And all of this that we've been talking about contributes to making us feel lonely. Regardless of how smart our technology is, it has not made us more smart with people. Let me give you an example of what I'm trying to say. Um, If you're someone like me who grew up in the 80s or the 90s or before, let's say you have an experience where you said something to somebody and immediately you regretted saying that. Many of us have done that. We were upset with somebody. We got angry very quickly. We got mad. And as a result, we just kind of blurted out something. And as soon as we blurted that out with anger, then we saw their face. We saw their eyes. We saw their reaction. We saw the hurt. You could see it in their eyes. We saw it. And we knew immediately we had hurt. We had wounded that person. We knew it. And maybe we hurt them emotionally. Maybe it was really bad. We could see that. And you know what? That impacted us to see their reaction. Their reaction that we caused, that reaction, the way we made them feel, made us feel something about that as well. Wow. We felt a certain way because of the way we made them feel. See, if you grew up prior to the 2000s, these conversations that I'm talking about, they happened face to face. They happened in person. We had to look them in the eye and we had to work through that struggle. We had to figure out how are we going to push past these uncomfortable feelings? How are we going to wrestle with these emotions and figure out a a resolution to this? And we were going to try to do that. We had to do that face to face. But today, behind our screens, we can seemingly say anything we want from behind a screen, from behind a smartphone. Why? Because we don't have that immediate feedback. We don't have that instant feedback. We don't see their face. We can't see that hurt. Behind the screen, we can rapid fire text, angry text, mean text when we're upset. We can just rapid fire text. Or we could go on social media and we can drop a bomb of a comment on our page. Or we can go to their page and hit a comment and we can, uh, we can comment on their stuff and just drop an angry bomb in their comment thread because we never have to see them face to face. Or maybe it's very possible that we could, uh, it's, we're not just talking about students here. This can be you and me as adults, too. We do the very same thing. We can jump on a page or a Facebook or a text or whatever, and we can lay down that not-so-ambiguous 
remark that is targeted for one of our children's teachers or administrators or one of their coaches, maybe a principal. Or we could drop one of those comments that's targeted for that person who has really made us mad, or a former friend, or a boss, or a coworker, or a neighbor, or just anyone that we're upset with. We have the possibility of doing that. See, the level of disconnect that we experience online, even though we're connected, but that level of disconnect, that the fact that there's no face-to-face exchange allows us to deliver to them lethal blows and never once have to be in their presence. And it doesn't take long, doesn't take long at all for us to actually forget how to live among people face-to-face. Pretty soon we become more comfortable behind a screen and living from behind that screen. And our super technical connected world is largely made up of no real physical connection to other humans. And for many, that creates a feeling of loneliness. And that's pretty much our normal for today. It's our normal. And as we said last week, with with relationship skills, face-to-face relationship skills, when we don't use them, we lose them. If you're anything like me, you have a habit of kind of rushing through life you know, got a lot of things to do, got a lot of things to get done. Uh, we, we, we have a lot of things we want to accomplish. So, so think about it with me. Um, we have lost any interest of really getting involved with other people, and we have lost uh, a curiosity about other people. So here's, here's a common, for instance. Um, let's say we're going through a drive through Let's just call it McDonald's. Or, I mean, also, I call that fancy date night. <laughs> so let's say you're on a fancy date night, Harley style. You're going through the McDonald's drive-thru, and the person taking your money or the person you gave your order to, they're taking your money, they're giving you your food, and they're passing it through that window. Let's just say that person is just a little bit rude that day, a little bit rude, maybe a little bit cold. And we just kind of mark that down. We register that and we mark that down and we say to ourselves, that's just a rude person. They're just rude. Um, And we usually don't have any more interest in them than that. We make a decision, we draw a conclusion very quickly, and we say, that person's rude, that person must not like their job, they must not like people, and we just kind of say, that's where we are, that's who they are, and that's, uh, they're just rude. And we don't think any more about them, unless we're telling a friend, saying, man, the drive through people over there are really rude. And that's it. That's all the concern, that's all the care that they get. Nothing more. We don't think any more about it. We say to ourselves, that's their problem. That's not my problem. And in doing so, we push those people, we push them to the edge, to the outskirts of our circle of people. 
people and we push them to the edge. We think to ourselves, are they in or are they out? And we quickly determine, yeah, they're out, they're out. When we hear something or see something that we don't like, we make an instant snap judgment and we cast them out. We just cast them out. We have lost the skill of slowing our lives down and connecting with other humans. Because after all, we want our French fries <laughs> and we want them fast. <laughs> and we really don't want to mess with trying to interact with that human. So we just make a judgment. They're out. They're out. Friends, myself included here, we have got to do better than that. And if you're a Christ follower this morning, we have to do better than that. We are commanded to do better than that. We don't have a choice. A better result is expected of us. Something has to change. We have to learn how to connect with other humans again. And we have to be more intentional about that. And we have to be more curious about their lives. And so it probably means we're going to have to redevelop some relational skills that over the past couple of decades that we've lost. We're going to have to develop something that's going to cause us to ask questions. To begin to think, what is going on below the surface of that person? What is going on? What has happened to that person? What has wounded that person? You see, I really believe that God has created us as relational, social creatures and that is his design. And we have to want to become more and more what God has created us and designed us to become. Look at it this way. We're going to have to practice becoming professional human beings. We want to become first team all pro humans. That's what we need. But if you're like me, we have a shopping list to get through, don't we? We have a, a, a series of checks that we need to get on our list. We have to check things off. And people just get in the way of my to-do list. People just make my life more complicated. If I get involved there, I might miss something on my list that's really important. I might not get to do it. But listen, being a professional human is part of our worship to God. Uh, just a moment ago, you mentioned the little tokens. Um, and on those little tokens, the first uh, letters there going around the circle, the W-O, uh, as you told us this morning, it stands for, Scott said it, he said it stands for worship. And we said in week number one that God has designed us for worship. And we said, here's what worship means. 
It's not just what we experience as the band leads us in some worship songs. Oh, it's so much more than that. It's more than that. It is every decision that we make, everything that we say. And I would even knock it up a level to even say it's our facial expressions that we use with other people. Everything that we communicate, everything we say, everything we do is either worship of ourselves or it's worship of God. Wow. We've got to do better. We've got to do better. We, If we're going to become professional humans, first team, all pro, the way that God wants and what he desires, we are going to have to become intentional inside of our relationships. And we're going to have to become more curious. And it might mean picking up some things that we need to relearn and remember how to do some forgotten human skills. Yes, we said in week number one that we are created to dwell with God eternally. We're created to dwell with him. In week number two, we said, not only are we created to dwell with God, we're created to dwell with other people. And then we took it up a notch. We took it up a step. And we said, not only are we created to dwell with other people, but we have been created to to have a certain number of people in our lives that we can gaze into their life And they can gaze into my life, messiness and all. We have to allow that with a handful of people. And this week we're saying this, we need to level up again. And this week, we need to be curious and we need to be interested lives of other people enough so that we will inquire. Now, all of that to say, let's see how God can help us do that. We don't look very far in scripture before we find something about relationships. In fact, if we look at how Jesus describes us being in a relationship with him, I think it can help us understand relationships better. And and maybe it can help us relearn some of these things uh, that we need to relearn in order to be in relationships with other people. So let's take a look at how Jesus describes a relationship between him and us. All right. And let's see what we can learn from that. Let's take a look at that. Jesus is going to call himself the shepherd, and he's going to talk to us about how he he interacts with his followers called the sheep. All right. Here we here's where we find him describing that. John chapter 10. We're going to kind of uh, roll through this and, and just annotate it just a little bit as we go. Jesus said this, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. Now, in this analogy, Jesus is saying it's like there's a sheepfold and it has a gate and this gate is guarded. It is watched. 
which is why the sheep rustler, I don't know if you've ever rustled sheep. I had a cousin who rustled some cattle and went to jail, um, but I, I don't have a sheep rustler in the family. But uh, if, if the, he's saying the sheep rustler is not going to go through the gate, he's going to sneak over the wall because he has evil intent. He wants to do something evil. He wants to cause harm. Verse two, but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Now here's, we're getting ready. He's, Jesus is going to give us a, a little hint here between his relationship with us, the sheep, and, and here's something we can learn. It, it is a professional human skill that we could learn from Jesus here. We need to care enough about the people around us to protect them. The shepherd has his sheep protected in the sheepfold. He goes on, verse 3. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, that's shepherd, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. Okay, here's a big, big time professional human skill right here. The shepherd cares enough about the sheep to know them and be known by them. Oh, I love that. He, Jesus goes on. He calls his own sheep by name. I love this too. The shepherd uses his voice. The shepherd uses his voice. And he inquires of the sheep. He uh, one by one calls them by name. Now, you may not know this. The Eastern shepherd in the first century, which is when Jesus was talking about this, the Eastern shepherd in the first century usually had an individual call for each and every sheep that was his. An individual call. So he was literally calling them by name. Each one, he calls them by name, and then Jesus says, and he leads them out. Now, he goes on, verse 4. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. Think with me on this. The shepherd cares enough to gather them together, and then he doesn't say, okay, I'll catch you later. Y'all just kind of hang out here. No, no. He walks with them. He leads them. He walks with them. Now, don't imagine the shepherd in the sheepfold uh, taking a rod and beating the sheep, saying, oh, get out, get on, get on, sheep, get on. No. He calls them by name. He gets in front of them, and he leads them out. I, I, I love that. I love that. All right. So then... And, and they go willingly. Do you know why? Because they know his voice. Verse 5, they won't follow a stranger. In other words, when they hear the voice of a stranger, huh, huh, they're not going to follow him. It said, Jesus says they will run from him because they don't know his voice. See, the stranger can sneak in. He can dress like a shepherd and pretend to be the shepherd. He can even call and use the very same calls, calling them by name. Mm -mm, won't work. 
because they know their shepherd's voice and they don't know the voice of this stranger. Now, here's what Jesus says now, and uh, not Jesus, but here's, here's the way this is described now. Verse six, it says, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, <laughs> which happened frequently. Verse seven, so we explained, them to, explained it to them. And here's Jesus again. He says, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and they were robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. Now, clearly, I want you to know, Jesus is not teaching about loneliness. Jesus is teaching about what it looks like to be in a relate a saving relationship with him. But we can learn about relationships from the way he describes his relationship to us. Because one thing is very clear from this analogy that Jesus uses here and from many of his metaphors and analogies that he uses in the new covenant when he talks to people. It's very clear, very clear that with God, everything always somehow ends up through relationship. Verse 10, Jesus says, the thief's purpose is to steal kill, and destroy. As I think about that, I think about myself and relating to other people, and yeah, I can understand uh, uh, stealing. I can understand that. I can even relate to kind of uh, destruction and destroying, but killing? Nah, not me, And I, but I would have to say wrong. I, I have that capacity, but most often it's not a physical thing that I use to kill. Most often for me, I opt to kill people with words. I, I most often opt to kill a relationship with words and begin to think of that person as they are dead to me. But Jesus says, no, no, the thief wants to still kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich satisfying life. He said, that's my purpose. The purpose for Jesus and for uh, that Jesus has for his sheep is a rich and satisfying life. And I want to remind you, that's not unlike what you, if you're a parent, what you want for your children. It's not unlike that. A relationship with Jesus is one uh, that is going to involve a lot of care. Verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Now that is a deep, deep connection. That investment is an all-in investment for Jesus. It's all in. Verse 12, he describes more. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him the sheep don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. He's just a hired hand. He's describing. 
And so the wolf is going to attack and he's going to scatter the flock. The good shepherd, though, Jesus says, is going to sacrifice his life for the sheep. But the hired hand, now he he really doesn't care. He's just going to take off. He's going to run away. He's not invested. He leaves the sheep unprotected. He doesn't really care. You know, the hired hand, he's just looking out for number one. And think about relationships, just looking out for number one. He leaves them unprotected, doesn't care. Verse 13, Jesus says the hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money. He doesn't really care about the sheep. And Jesus contrasts that with him. Verse 14, but I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. There's relationship again. And then he ends it with this. So I sacrificed my life for the sheep. Jesus is all about relationships. And relationships are all about care. And ultimately, they're all about sacrifice. Now, clearly, I want to remind you again, Jesus is talking about a saving relationship with him, with God. But this teaching is laced with meaning. It is laced with meaning. We can see that the good shepherd's intent for the sheep is that they will be known, seen, valued, and secure, and safe. That's his intent. That's what he desires. And the shepherd makes sure that he achieves that. He uses his voice, and then he uses his actions as a sacrifice himself. But not the sheep rustler. Mm -mm. The evil one's main objective is to sneak in and cause confusion and to cause fear. That's what he desires. Confusion and fear. The, the evil one wants to use his voice to become a distraction from the shepherd's voice, to isolate the sheep, to get them cut off from safety, cut off from the shepherd, cut off from the sheepfold. Now think with me for a moment. What if the main point of confusion of the sheep What if that is the rustler, the sheep rustler, creating isolation in order to make the sheep lonely and disconnected eternally? See, since the shepherd's promise is for life to the fullest, it only makes sense to me that the rustler's purpose is then to steal, kill, and destroy. And therefore, maybe one of the main tools of the wrestler to achieve this, the perfect weapon, loneliness. To keep one from experiencing life to the full in a relationship with Christ and his church. You see, all pro-humans, let's bring this down to today. I just want us to notice two great 
connecting tools that Jesus uses to connect with us. And I believe we can use those very same things to connect with other people and relearn how to connect with people face to face. The first one was his voice. I love how Jesus used his voice and called them by name and they recognized his voice. Here's the second thing he used. He used his sacrifice. We can call that his serving. Jesus said, I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom, a sacrifice. The voice of the shepherd, he cares enough to call out. He cares enough to use his voice to inquire. And through the use of his voice to inquire, his sheep then know that voice and they trust that voice and they flock to that voice. And when you look through the new covenant, you can find the voice of Jesus calling out and inquiring all through the new covenant. Jesus is constantly asking questions. In fact, 339 times to be exact, you find Jesus asking a question in the new covenant. Here's a few, just for example, a few questions that Jesus asked. To the uh, grateful healed leper, Jesus said, where, where are the others? To the rich young ruler, he said, what do you want? To James and John, he said, can you drink this cup of suffering? And to Peter, he asked, do you love me? Now, let's be practical about this voice. What if after dwelling with people, being around people, and what if after gazing into their life, allowing them to gaze into ours, what if, what if we were curious enough to begin to inquire? What if? What if we were curious enough to begin asking questions like the Good Shepherd asked and listening to their responses? What if we're curious enough to look at that life and say, where are you? I mean, I'm not, I know you're right in front of me. Where, where are you? Are you in a good place? What are you wanting out of life? What is your heart longing for right now? How are you suffering? Where does it hurt? Where is your life hurting right now? Are you loving and being loved? My friends, what a great picture we get from Jesus, the good shepherd, connecting, relating, inquiring. And Jesus listened. And Jesus asked questions. And he always took time to understand their hearts. But if you're like me, I, I, I struggle with taking time to inquire and to listen. Here, here's an example. Conflict is a great example. When we're in conflict, we're with somebody, 
we're in conflict. Um, they can be talking. We hear those words, and we think that we're listening, but we're really probably, if you're anything like me at all, we're completely missing the point because we're listening so that we can respond. We're listening so that we can rebut, refute. We're listening so we can get our point across. We're not listening and interacting to hear their heart and to understand their heart. We just want them to understand our heart and our point of view. And those actions in a conflict, they really just isolate us further, drive us further apart. They disconnect us more. And if it is left with that, then that rift becomes loneliness. But what if we used our voice instead? Not rebutting, not refuting, not trying to get our point across. What if we used our voice to inquire? To inquire. And then we added to that sacrifice and serving. Like Jesus did. What if we did that? God's ultimate connection with his creation, it required Jesus, the good shepherd, to lay his life down for the sheep. Jesus didn't use the sheep. That's the sheep rustler. Jesus served them. What if we tried to get below the surface to relationally connect with one another? And let's follow the example of the Good Shepherd. Let's serve. We don't wait until we're no longer lonely to serve. We serve through our loneliness at the church in Malvern. Let me explain this just a minute. You see, we have a, a core value. It's on, it's on one of those coins. And um, Scott, he told you, and as he mentioned, AC, uh, WO for worship, AC for acceptance, CO for community. The next one, SE, stands for serving. And that core value of our serving says, we understand that we are all messed up people. We are all hurt in some way. And we have all hurt others in some way. We are all broken this side of eternity. We're all broken in some way. And so we don't wait until our lives are back in order and everything is perfect because it's not going to happen. We don't wait until we're better to serve at the church in Malvern and Stuttgart Harvest Church. We say this, no, 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 no. We don't wait till we're better to serve. We serve to get better. And this applies to loneliness. We don't wait until we're no longer lonely to serve. No, 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 no. We serve through our loneliness. And as a result, connections will begin to emerge. 
We're lonely, but we push through the awkwardness and use our voice. And we begin to self-sacrifice and serve. We're lonely. We push through that, use our voice. We begin to serve. And eventually, connections develop and happen. One by one. One life at a time. We choose to serve whatever life God has placed in front of us. That's where we'll use our voice. That's where we'll serve. In that present moment, that's where we'll use our voice. That's where, we'll, where we will serve. So this week, we're just saying this. All comes down to this. For each one of us, in every spontaneous moment in which you find yourself with another human, be present in that moment. Use your voice to inquire in that moment. And we say, go even beyond that, beyond the voice, beyond inquiring, go beyond that and be curious. Be curious enough about their life to wonder what is going on. What is going on? What has happened in their life? to cause them to be in this state. What's going on behind that smile? What's going on behind that expression? What's going on behind that sadness? That frown? That look of concern? We're asking you to wonder enough, to be curious enough to find out. And here's specifically what we're asking. Help us to be that kind of church. Help us to be that. And be present in the moment so that as you're listening, you can then sacrifice, you can serve that person that God has placed in front of you. We're asking you, will you help us to be that kind of church? Help us by doing and practicing all the one another's that we find in the new covenant. And we practice those with that person that God has placed in front of you. We practice those on Sunday as we gather here in the morning. We practice that on Wednesdays as groups begin again soon. We practice that with the people in the groups. We practice that throughout the week with people who are part of this church. And then we go beyond that and practice that with anybody that God places in front of us throughout the week. And here's a very practical thing that you can do today. You say, well, okay, that, I, I get it. That's kind of the big umbrella picture of what you want, Harley. And yes, that is what we want. Will you help us to be that? But here's a starting place for you. Scott mentioned, don't uh, hit submit on the online connection card. Don't turn in your paper versions just yet until we get to the end. Because here's the next step. I want to encourage you, if you have not yet, would you sign up? to serve on Sundays. That's a great start. That's a great start. If you have not yet signed up to help us on Sundays by serving and loving the people who walk into this room, help us 
sign up to be a part of that. Just sign up. And, and we're not going to stick you somewhere. Just We are going to shoot you some information via email or text and get that process started to help find a place where you could serve with us on Sundays. Even in your loneliness, even if you walk through those doors and your heart says, I am lonely and I'm alone and I'm looking for connection, even in your loneliness, begin to serve with us through your loneliness. May we not sit in our loneliness and begin to just complain. Oh, that person never called me. Oh, they never inquired about me. They never sought me out. They never came looking for me. Here's what we're saying. Don't, don't wait on them to be more like Jesus. We're asking, will you help us? Will you be more like Jesus? Will you be like your shepherd? Help us to be that. A life that will inquire, use our voice, a life that will serve like our good shepherd served. Help us to be that kind of church. And really, as far as this series goes, today we're hoping today will be a oh, okay, Harley. Okay, Cole. Now, now I see. We're hoping it will be one of those moments where you understand we are designed to dwell with other people. We talked about in week one and two, where we are to, to gaze into their lives. We talked about in week two. We're, we're to be a church that is caring enough and curious enough to engage other people with our voice. This is a lost professional human skill, but we're going to be curious enough to relearn this, curious enough to engage with other people in our voice, to ask questions and follow that up with sacrifice and serving. That's what we're going to ask. You know, inquiring and serving, it forces us to slow our pace of life down. You see, the questions don't become the new task. That's how I'm wired. I'm like, okay, there's my task. I am now going to do this. Ask them a question. Check. Inquire. Check. No, no, no. This does not become the new task. We're not going to quickly try to check this off of our, this is what is required to be a good person list. No, no. We're going to simply learn how to slow our lives down and begin to inquire and be present in the moment for the rest of our lives. And do you know why? We are quite literally, if you're a follower of Jesus, we are practicing what is coming. We are practicing now how to one day be in conversation with God in heaven when the new heaven and earth arrive. We're practicing that right now. And we're asking you to do this in all your interactions. At When we gather here as a church, at work, at school, at the gas pump, at family market, at food center, at Walmart, no matter where that happens to be, intentionally present in that moment with that person, no matter where that happens to be. We're asking you to remain curious 
because there is more going on to their story than what is on the surface. And be present and be curious. Curious enough to use your voice, present enough to serve them. We must inquire and we must serve our way out of loneliness. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the good shepherd. I'm so grateful that this text has been preserved. For I'm grateful. Jesus, you used your voice to call us by name. Everyone who has chosen to follow you and those who will, you call them by name. Individually, personally. And Jesus, you used your life not to be served. You used your life to serve them and us personally. You sacrificed for us. So Jesus, I'm asking you this week to help us use our voices to relearn how to connect your way and how to use our lives to serve your way. And may we serve through our loneliness and out of loneliness. So we ask that you give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we have heard today. We ask that you to do it. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen.